For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Dirt Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Aaron Witts. And as you know, we're here to make the dirt world a better place. Today, I have Mr. John Shedek of Shedek Construction. That's, I think, his, his company name. He's an owner-operator. And if you've seen his videos, pictures on the internet, you'll know that he's an absolute weapon with a blade. And not only that, is, is he really skilled, but he's also on the cutting edge of blade technology and what you can do with the blade when you mix it with GPS and grade control. So great conversation. We talk about how being an owner-operator works, his recent move to Texas, talk about grade control. So hopefully you enjoy this episode. It's episode 64 of the Dirt Talk podcast. And here we go. Well, John, how did you how did you get get into the whole running a blade thing construction? You were talking about railroad. So where did, where did it all start? Where was the the entry point to the blue car world for you? Well, um, my dad owned uh, the company for uh, well since well my grandpa owned it first um, back in the eighties, and my dad ended up taking it over, got his his own contractor's license back in ninety two, and uh, you know, I've been on a machine since since I was toddling. I mean, I, my I got pictures of the baby sitting on the dozer seat of my dad's John Deere 850. You know, and uh, but yeah, we uh, I started. My dad ran Blade. My parents got divorced. My dad got a job running Blade for many years, and then uh, he uh, ended up getting me um, on at a company in Sacramento, and. Uh, I kind of followed him around on a skip loader for, and I worked there for eight years running skip loader behind him and just watching everything that he did, you know, and he, uh, I'd ride home with him every day. I was still living with him at the time and he, he'd show, you know, show me all the, uh, the little tips and tricks that, that he, uh, he took him 40 years to learn, you know, he, he'd give them to me driving home. Hey, change it this way. Hey, try this. Hey, do that. And, uh, and then anytime he'd get an opportunity to throw me on the blade, he'd, he'd throw me on there, but they'd, the bosses, they'd never really give me a chance. They just kicked me off, you know, but 
soon as they'd leave, I'd be back on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's about how I got going on a blade, um, learning the equipment side of things, you know? It's interesting. You started on a skip loader It and it's, I mean, those are not in a lot of places in the United States. California is one of the, one of the places where they're just absolutely everywhere. And, yep. and it's amazing what you can do with one of those little things. Yep. I, yeah, I, I've, I've yet to see one out here in Texas and I truly believe that they're a very underutilized tool. They are an amazing machine to make grade with. Can you explain what a skip loader is for people that don't understand it? Uh, basically it's a more advanced farm tractor with a front loader and a Gannon box on the back, but way more refined than a farm tractor. That's a good way uh, to everything, put it. You know, yeah, there's, um, so the first time I really saw them <laughs> in Arizona, you have all these guys that grade house pads. It'll just be like single, <laughs> single pads. You know, you, you, you tear down a house to build a new one. You have to bring in a little grading contractor, smooth everything out. And they have, I mean, these little old farming tractors. So it'll be like this little old red tractor with a Gannon box on the back. And the guy is maybe, you know, 70 years old running it. And yep. those guys, I mean, they're just weapons on these things. And it yep. can cut grade it just beautifully with this little yep. pile of shit tractor and a Gannon box. Yep. Yeah, they're uh, they're an amazing tool that, uh, like I said, are they're just way underutilized. And I know they're big in California and Arizona, but I don't think I've seen them anywhere else. No, no, they're they're pretty rare everywhere else for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, so now, you, they they take a lot of skill to learn how to run, you know. And yeah, most people I I know you talk about it a lot in, in your other podcast that most most companies don't want to really take the time to train people, you know, and, and that's one of the machines that if you took the time, it's an invaluable tool. Ac- absolutely. And the cool thing is you can grade forward and backwards on those. Mm. Yep. So I yep. know, like, I know you, you can grade forward and backwards on your blade because you're fancy and we'll explain that yep. in a little bit. Most people using a, a grader just grade forwards though. That's, that's pretty mm-hmm. standard. Gannon, you can just grade any which way you want. Exactly. Yep. And that's what, that's one of the big things we use them for, you know, is, uh, the places the blade can't reach, you know? Yeah. And I mean, we get in all the corners of the parking stalls or little, if you got a valley gutter down a road and the blade can't fit on either side of the valley gutter, you know, we'll, we'll grade the valley gutters out with it. And they're, they're, uh, they're great for all the little nicks knick-knack parts of the job that you can't get with a with a bigger machine you know yeah well so you you go from running a little skip loader to running a blade you so you've really always been on a blade pretty much yeah i never really got a good chance at running blade full-time until uh after the recession um i got a job with an outfit in the bay area actually and uh they asked if I knew how to run blade and I told them, well, I know how to run it, but I'm not going to call myself a blade man. You know, it's, it's, uh, I could get the job done, but I'm not the best. And so they, they ended up uh, throwing me on an M and I had never ran an M. I'd only ran G's and H's and man, what a learning experience that was for the first month and made myself look like a fool, you know, the poor grade setter put a, uh, put guineas down the middle of a street that was 
16 feet wide with a 14 foot moldboard and I took every one of them guineas out with that stupid thing. Nice. <laughs> I felt so bad. <laughs> yeah, but, I've, I've been on the uh, the grade setter side of that. You, you put in all these hubs and then five minutes, you, you spend so much time getting these damn things right and five minutes later the blade hand comes through and knocks them all out and you're just sitting yep. there, you're like, really? Like, come yep. on, man. That, that, that was totally unnecessary. Yep. Um, so the, the, and then they get mad at you because, uh, that you're complaining that he hit them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's never their fault. And, and so the big challenge with, with, with this change in going from like an H to an M for people that don't get it is M M blade was the first blade with Joey stick control. Correct. So, yep. you know, traditional graders, I don't know how many damn levers you have. You have your steering wheel and it seems like you have a hundred different levers in front of you. Yeah. And I, I want it's like 11 or 13. I, I can't remember. I just know what they do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 It's just muscle memory. It's like riding a bike. Yep. For you. But so yes, yeah, so you have all these levers that do all these, all the functions of the machine. And then Caterpillar said, well, why don't we just put it into two joysticks? And that's yep. it. And yep. the world erupted in complaints when that happened, but now it's really the standard for graders. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I remember when they were first coming out and nobody even wanted to look at them. Mm -hmm. And even still, you get guys today that, that complain about them. And well, Garrett Wilson's one of them, but I know he, he's just doing it out of fun, but you got guys that are complaining about them, you know, being serious, you know, that they're a piece of crap and, but they, they have never really given it the time, you know, to actually learn the machine and, and how fluid the controls can be versus having to take your hand off a steering wheel and pull three or four different levers at once and articulate your hands to where they're, they look like you got arthritis in them, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's amazing if you give it the time, how smooth and fluid everything can be with those controls the, the new m controls it's they're amazing i'll well, never go back in fairness garrett complains about everything um yeah. <laughs> so you're you're running an m blade for a contractor what kind of work are you doing road work house pads anything uh the, yeah so in uh, in california i did pretty much everything i i worked for most of the major contractors in uh, the sacramento valley and uh we do commercial to uh, residential work, um, some interstate work, um, heavy civil, you know. Um, but so far, I've only been working here in Texas for uh, a couple weeks now, and we're doing uh, residential uh, stuff. We'll get to that move in a, a moment. I, I just wanted to touch on the point in time. When did you become an owner-operator? So I worked, uh, like I had mentioned before, I worked for that company in the Bay Area. And I'll kind of give you a backstory how it kind of turned into this. Please. So I, I worked at, for the company in the Bay Area, and um, I saw a need that they, they needed water trucks really bad. Um, it was, they couldn't find any. There's such a shortage of them. And uh, I ended up finding a nice little truck down in Los Angeles and drove home, spent all my savings all my checking on and my credit cards to build a water truck. I built it myself and, uh, my wife, she, she won't say it, but she's probably ready to divorce me because <laughs> I spent all our money and she wanted nothing to do with it. And, uh, so I, 
I, I seen the, the need for it though, you know? So I, I spent all my money on this truck, built it. It went to work with the company that I was working for. They, and they rented it from me and it paid for itself in like the first three months. Wow. And after that, it was, it was game on. She sees my wife saw like that. I'm not crazy, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so I, I had the water truck paid for it, ran it for a couple years with them. And then I saw they needed a mini excavator. So I bought a mini excavator and they rented that for me as well. And, uh, the, uh, at the time we were renting, I think we had four or five blades on rent, uh, 140. And I saw a need for a blade and I, I, I saw that, that window like hey you know they're renting four blades why don't they call one of them off and they can rent it for me you know so mm-hmm. i bought a blade or I, I i didn't even buy it yet i i looked into buying a blade and i honestly did not think that i could get approved for three hundred eighty thousand dollar machine mm-hmm. and uh cat financial props to them they're an amazing outfit to work with i know dane was talking about that and they uh they they said they were looking into it. Well, the, the company that I was working for ended up finding out about it, and they two-checked me. And that's the one and only thing I've been fired for in my life. And honestly, it's the biggest blessing that I've ever been fired for. Because <laughs> I, I told my cat uh, salesman, I said, hey, I just got fired. Make this happen. And he made it happen. And I was working. My, my blade got delivered, and I was working within that month How did for they- a company up how did they find out? How did they find out you're trying to buy a blade? I I had a couple good friends in the company, you know, my um actually all of them were in my wedding come to find out, but they uh I told them and they I think they, you know, just random talk. They they talked and it got from one person to the next and then it worked its way up the chain somehow. So Why why did they fire you for it? Cuz they thought you were I trying think- to compete with them. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Cause I had my own water truck excavator, a blade and, and who knows where. And uh, honestly, it's probably a good reason they did because that's what I wanted to do. I, I still want to do, you know, and is do my own contract work. Yeah. And uh, it would have eventually got to that point if I would have kept buying equipment. <laughs> wow. Um, Cat Financial, I mean, they have helped more people start businesses in this world than just about any other organization. It's amazing. They're, they're, they're an amazing organization. I've only heard amazing things about them from everybody. Yep. No, they, they are truly phenomenal to work with. So when I bought my blade, I had, uh, I had it for one day and the engine blew up in it. And I called out the dealer and I, I called the dealer and I told him, Hey, this engine's making a bunch of weird noise. I don't know what's going on. So they sent a, a mechanic out and uh, he came and looked at it and said it needed to go into the shop. And they thought it was the turbocharger for some reason. I don't know why, but that's what they thought it was. So they took it back to the shop, replaced the turbo, still making noise. So they cut the oil filter open and the oil filter was full of metal. So oh, they ended up, man. The, I, I bought the machine used with 1100 hours on it. And, uh, but it, it, you know, I hadn't even signed papers on it at that point. And they took it back to the shop and, uh, it blew up on the job that I was working for that first contractor I got a job with. And I was stuck with no blade. And I actually missed my first month's payment on it because of that. I didn't get my blade back for a month. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So 
they, uh, I called Cat Financial, told them what was going on, and they, they didn't even care. They're like, oh, this is no problem. We'll, we'll totally help you out. You know, and they helped me out. I never had any, any problem after that with them. It's just, they're an amazing outfit to work with. So you're just a guy with, you know, a pretty, pretty normal job, and you can go and buy a $380,000 machine. What do you need to, what do you need to pony up for Cat Financial to give you a blade? So I they they required ten percent down, so I I did uh, thirty eight thousand wow. down on that, and that I wouldn't have been able to do that unless I had had income coming in from the water truck and the excavator, you know. So th- those were those two machines were really crucial in being able to buy it. So so getting the blade, you became an owner operator, and yep. that's a very common term in a place like California. It's not so yep. common in a lot of other places. Can you explain how being an owner operator works, especially out there? You know, you're in Sacramento. You were you were working for some massive companies out there as a blade. Yeah. How does it how does it work? How do you get work? So um, I I was lucky that you know I I made a good name for myself running uh, blade for that company, and a lot of like Goodfellows, for instance. Uh, I know we were talking about them a while back. They were a contractor I worked for a lot. Mm-hmm. And they knew about me and they tried, you know, hiring me a couple of times and offered me a job. And uh, so when I bought my own blade, I just started calling superintendents for these outfits, you know, and uh, called everyone I could think of. And, and the ones, honestly, that I thought I was going to have a job for, <laughs> I never worked for. It's <laughs> huh. that, that, you know, I honestly never even heard about was the first company I worked for. And they, I called their front desk and just said, Hey, I, you know, I own a cat 140 M and, uh, I'm looking for work. I don't know if you guys need, you know, help with blade work or not. And uh, if you do let me know I'm available. And they, they transferred me right over to the owner of the company and they hired me right there. And, uh, yeah, the, the only, uh, the only things that I had that were, you know, kind of, difficult in the california side of things is the union so oh yeah yeah it, it it's not so it's not really worth it if you're wanting to be just an owner operator to sign your company as a signatory union contractor which that's the route i went if i was to do it over i would have i would have just went to the to the contractor that was union and said hey put me on your payroll and well, this is the cost for, for my blade per hour. Put me on your payroll and we could deduct the payroll amount off of the blade. And then you pay me the difference in the quote unquote blade rental. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But, um, my route I went was, was signatory union and I ended up having to pay all my own fringe benefits and, and, and my own dues and everything. It was very difficult. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, that is a tricky, it's a tricky subject and I haven't wandered too far into it publicly mm-hmm. because it's, it's super touchy for whatever reason. And it just drives it out. It's, it's so weird yep. how it's like, I don't know. It's like taboo talking about it. Um, yep. so you were, you were in the union, but the way, the way it works technically is they just pay you the company, whoever you're working for, they just pay you for an hourly rate all in. Correct. Right. Yep. 
So Correct. you work eight hours, you bill them eight hours, and that eight hours includes your time, benefits, the blade, wear and tear. Do they do they put the fuel in the machine? So I, I worked for uh, uh, every company I worked for was different actually on that. So it kind of just you know goes on how you want to work out a contract and negotiate with them. So I've worked for some companies where they covered everything. They covered my oil changes, my cutting edges. They covered my fuel, grease. Um, they'd even cover my breakdowns. And if it was small enough, they'd pay for it. If it was if it was a major breakdown, like on, uh, I lost the hydraulic hose on my blade a while back that went from the very front of the blade to the very back of the blade. Mm. And, you know, it was a very in-depth process. We had to take a lot of stuff off, fuel tank, tires, and all that to get it out. And uh, that one, they... You know, they, they fixed it for me because obviously I don't have the, the equipment to take care of that. And so they fixed it for me and then they, they just deducted off my bill. Huh. Give them at the end. Huh. So what's, so it's really nice to be able to work, you know, you could work out different, different, uh, types of contracts with them. You know, some companies I work for, I have to pay for everything, which it's not that big a deal. Your price just goes up, you know? Yeah, but it's probably most beneficial if they pay for most everything because they can get better rates on fuel and cutting edges and a lot of that stuff than you can, can't they? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Huh. Um, why, why, why do these companies hire someone like you? Um, a lot of it is skill. Um, they don't have the skilled the skilled manpower to uh to complete the projects you know in a timely manner and uh, a blade's a very a very difficult machine to learn how to run it's got a lot of stuff going on you know and um i've i've worked with companies where they they had three of their own blades sitting on the job working me because they didn't have anybody to run wow wow that's that's amazing, and that I mean, in the in the blade, that's one of the more skilled positions, if not, I, I mean, especially in California, like those big subdivisions, for example. I can't imagine how many lots you've finished in your day. That oh yeah, fin- the finishing is you, the is really where you make your money. Yeah, and you, yep. you you I mean, you can have one blade hand finishing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lots in a single subdivision. And if that guy's yep. quick, you can make a lot of money. If that guy sucks, then you're shit out of luck. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And I, from experience on bidding my own work and stuff, you know, most contractors make their big money on the on the moving the big dirt and the rough grading portion. And when it comes down to the the finish grading, it you got to be efficient and fast at what you're doing because you'll lose money really quick going that route. Yeah. Yeah. And um. I guess so. Being an owner operator, you if if I had to guess, you make more money than just being an operator, being a blade hand for one of those companies. But there's more more risk associated, correct? Yeah, yeah, quite a bit more risk. I mean, you you're thinking well, like I, it goes back to the contracts that I was saying that you could work out different contracts with different companies. But say if I was working for a company that I had to, you know, I had to pay for my own repairs and maintenance if i lost the transmission in the blade you know that's you know anywhere from 30 to sixty thousand dollars right there depending mm-hmm. on what's wrong 
you know, so there's a huge risk associated with it for sure. And, and you have the risk of just having to chase work, right? Yep, exactly. Yep. Yeah. There's a, a lot of, a lot of times, you know, with a, you, you, if you're a good operator and you get in with a, a good company, they'll, they'll keep you busy no matter what, you know, it, you could be sitting in a tractor all day, pouring down rain, moving a, a you know, a trash pump around on the job <laughs> and just to keep you busy. Yeah. But with, with the blade or an owner operator, you know, you're the most expensive, one of the most expensive items on their, you know, on the job. And when it gets slow, you're the first one gone. Mm. Yeah. And that, that's the, uh, uh, kind of difficult in California because of our seasons, you know, you've got a budget throughout the working season. Cause when wintertime comes, it's, you're rained out, you know, from anywhere from December through April, you know, you got a long time you can be sitting and, uh, it, yeah, you got blade payments you got to make. That's, that's another good thing, uh, with cap financial, um, that a lot of people don't know about is, uh, with my blade, I was able to negotiate, uh, skip winter payments on the machine. No so shit. they roll over. Yeah, they roll all my winter payments. So when I'm sitting, I don't have to worry about it. And they roll all those payments into the months that I'm working. Wow. My payment is really high during the months I'm working, but it's totally worth it. And with the peace of mind, not having to make that big payment every month sitting at home. That's amazing. Yeah. It, it, I found out about that and I was that, that really eased my mind on doing this. Yeah. Wow. So how many, uh, since you bought that first machine, how many machines have you had? Blades? Uh, I bought a 14, uh, uh, brand new 14. We were bidding our work, our own work and uh, uh, got taken on a job for almost $200,000. And I had to, luckily I did that on a rent purchase option. And uh, I was able to basically call it off rent. And, uh, but yeah, I had a 14 for a while. Then uh, we had a skip loader, excavator, backhoe, um, water truck, obviously. Um, a little roller, little things like that, you know. Hmm. I didn't know you had all those other machines. Yeah, we. Uh, I was in business with a, a really good friend of mine, and uh, he actually worked for the company I got fired from. And uh, he left them as well. And we started our own thing. He had a bunch of, he, he kind of did the same thing with me, with the company, you know, renting machines to them as well. So when he left, he took all his machines and we, we kind of tied up together and tried doing our own thing. So. The hell was that? Uh, it was actually a very good experience. He, he was, uh, he was one of the guys that was in my wedding and uh, we've known each other for, and, almost 20 years and just a a very outstanding person, you know, and I I had a really good experience with him, but it's just, it's uh, really difficult in California to get going. A lot of competition and a lot of the contractors are real cutthroat and we both decided, you know, to kind of just split off and that's, it all came about when we, we decided to move to Texas. So he actually moved to Arizona. Okay. So let's, let's, get into that i mean why leave california there's so much work there there is a lot of work there and but there's a i i honestly think there's more work here because yeah. everyone moving yeah um one of the big reasons i was 
really wanting to get out of California is the union. Um, that was very difficult for me. Um, not the union's good. If you can get full-time work, you know, bidding work and it's coming in left and right, you know, and it's not that big of a deal because you got good income, but when you're running owner operator blade and trying to do work and support two families and pay payroll, it was, it was too difficult for the union for me. And I, I had enough of it. And that was the main reason I, I wanted out of there. I've, um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, unions are, are fine with me. There's, there's good ones. There's bad ones. I just, I've never understood why they make it difficult on people. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't understand. Like, it's like, you don't have to do that. You guys are doing just fine. And, and yeah. I, 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 I've never really understood why they, why they take that route a lot of times. Yeah. Well, I mean like, uh, California, it, you really, it, it's hard to make it there not being union because being if you, if you're if the, if you're trying to work underneath a contractor you have and they're union you have to be union yeah for them to pay you and there's so many union contractors out there that if, if you want to sub under them you got to be union you know mm. uh, it makes it very difficult so now in Texas Texas is non-union. I mean, there are some yep. unions in Texas with some really big companies, but most everything is non-union. Yep. So you can just work for whomever. They pay you your hourly rate and you go down the road. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. I'm working for a, a really large contractor here that uh, they actually found out about me on Instagram. And uh, I got, I'd been chit-chatting with them back and forth, you know, for a couple of years now, just talking. And, uh, I uh, I got on with them and they they just had me sign their their couple little documents that, that they needed for insurance requirements and and little things like that and I went to work the next day and nothing just right to work. Wow. And they pay weekly, which is really nice. So it's like getting a check, a big big paycheck. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. So are you able to make more in Texas than you were in California everything considered? Um I my wife and I ran the numbers and uh, I will be able to make more just because I'm not having to pay the union. Wow. How about yeah. that? Huh. Yeah. So it, the, the pay, I mean, it, it's less than what I was making in California, but it's not astronomically less. You know, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's still fair, you know, and, uh, and to not deal with the union on top of that, it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, so I was talking to the guys at Goodfellow the other day and they asked, you know, what, is there anywhere else in the country that's like this, this crazy? Because the Sacramento market is, is nuts. I had no idea. And, mm -hmm. and, and they're like, is there anywhere like this? And I said, the only place that probably comes close is Texas right now. Mm. And because Texas, I mean, it is just gangbusters out there. Yep. Yep. It's a tough market. It's a tough market to be in. Um, as a contractor, but holy smokes, there's a lot of money being being made and probably lost out there. Definitely, huh. definitely. So you get on with this company, your blade shows up, you go to work. So I mean, what's what's that like? You just report to the superintendent or foreman, say, "All right, what do you got for me?" And you just go get it done, yep. like you'd work like you work for that company. Yep, exactly. It's uh, it's really no different than you know, working as a blade hand for the company, running their machine, you know, it's, uh, it's really a lot of peace of mind versus trying to do your own contract work. You just go run your blade. Yes. 
Yeah. Have you ever thought about, like, has it ever gotten to the point where you're like, maybe I'll just become an operator? Yeah, it has. It crosses my mind every time, but I don't want to, I don't want to give up and quit because I can see the, I see the future in it, you know, and where I can be, um, if I stick it out. And that, that's, that's what keeps me going. Most of the times when I have a hard, hard time and I'm out of work or, or, you know, having bad day or whatever, you know, I, I think of that where I can be when my, my, my blade will be paid for this year. And, uh, so once it's paid for, I, I can only just fathom what my life will be like. Wow. It's going to be good. So, I mean, where do you, where do you want to get to? You were saying, you know, what, what could be, what, what's, what are you trying to do? I would like to, like I said earlier, I want to do my own contract work. Um, but I want to do it right. I, in California, I really tried rushing it and, uh, I want, I did it too fast and, uh, not enough money in the bank to, you know, for working capital and that kind of thing. And it makes it really difficult. And being here, I want to, I told my wife, I want to get a good chunk of change in the bank, get some, uh, you know, uh, working capital and, and try and do it right. Mm-hmm. But that's my final goal. I'd, I'd like to have a, a little contracting company, you know, with, uh, you know, maybe two or three crews, nothing, nothing huge. As when it gets big, it, it just gets crazy, you know, and you got it, it, it's not really personal anymore. It, you have so many people in the office and it just gets, it turns into its own beast, you know? Yeah. I've been, I've been learning that. And I mean, we've kind of yeah. crossed that threshold of, I mean, we just hired another person. It was like yesterday or the day before, and I was looking at the offer letter. And I was like, "Yeah, I've, I've, I've never ever heard this name before. Never. Don't even know who this person is." And and <laughs> yet they're coming into the company. And I, I mean, I try to get to everybody, but now it's to the point where it's like we're bringing people on that I have I've never talked to, never met, have no relationship with whatsoever. Yep. And um, yep. I mean, it, it, we need to go in that direction for what we want to do. But it is it, it it there's a certain point where it just becomes a whole different animal. And I've I've you know, you know a lot of the guys online and just a lot of the guys in the industry that have been bigger in the past and they've dialed it back and yep. you know, run one or two crews, just have yep. enough people like it's just enough for them to be able to manage it. Maybe their their wife or someone else does the books for them and yep. they make way more money than they would if they were five times the size. Yep, exactly. Yeah. One of those, uh, one of those people that actually, uh, I talked a bit about that with was, uh, Ryan from rock structures. You yes. know, he, he had a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff going on and just dialed back and he said it, he's way more happy just where he's at. Yeah. 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 And it's, I mean, you can make good money just running one or two crews getting into it. Yep. I mean, especially running a blade like you are. I mean, that is something not, there's a, there's a buried entry there. It's not, yep. you're not just a guy that, you know, installs, uh, I don't know, something, something simple. So any, any Tom, Dick and Harry can just run an excavator and try to do it. Like not yep. anyone can just go run up a, a 140 or a 14 with GPS as well as you can. Yep. Yeah. Huh. Definitely a skill. Yeah, no shit. Um, so that go that I guess I just brought it up. You have been running GPS for a very long time. Yeah. I I started my career uh running blue tops and stakes, so um I, I really didn't get to use GPS until two thousand twelve. 
um, was the first time I ever used it. So did you have to buy it yourself? Yeah, I, I bought uh, I bought the GPS system with my machine. Okay, so you were able to finance yeah. it with your machine. Yeah, yeah. Because I was going to say that's a big page. I mean, that's a big check you got to cut. Yeah, definitely. And they mm. uh, they they actually weren't able to finance it into the machine per se um, as one loan, but they were able to finance it separately as a second loan. So I got two loans through Cap Financial, but I pay them both at the same time. So it's, it's one loan. But for some reason, leak or paperwork wise, they couldn't do it through through the system. I think I think it was uh, my purchase history. I'd never purchased something that large, and they they didn't want to make it even larger. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, they ended up doing two loans on that. But huh. yeah, that's a if if anyone's considering doing the owner operator thing, the the GPS is a necessity. You have to have it. Because uh, all the all the companies that really will be using an owner operator blade are you know usually the good sized companies and they all run GPS and if you don't have it you're worthless to them really because they're not going to set a send a grade setter out with you all day long every day just to shoot grade for you you know in the middle of a a fifty seven cut you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's I mean I, I I was joking with some guys the other day it's like. Yeah, a lot of companies brag about how they use GPS, but it's now it's just now standard, mm-hmm. and and they they make it a big talking point. Like, oh yeah, no, we use grade control and GPS on all of our equipment. It's like, okay, I mean, so does everybody else, and yeah, you, you kind of need it to be competitive nowadays. I don't know. I mean, I shouldn't really be telling you that, but that's that's kind of reality. So if you don't have it, yep. I mean, you can get away with not having it if you're grading county roads all day long. Exactly. But if you're building anything, you need it. Yep. Yeah. And, and I, I post some stuff on Instagram and TikTok and, and just trying to, you know, stir the pot and boy, people get so upset with how you're not an operator if you run GPS, you know, and that was one of the posts I made. I said that exact thing right there. <laughs> and I, I got so many people giving me flack over it. it it's hilarious, you know, because they think that, oh, all you do is push a button. And you can't run finished grade. It's like, little do you know how much it's a tool, you know, and a good operator will use that tool to their advantage. doesn't mean that they can't finish. It's just an extra tool in their pocket to help them. You know, there's, there's no way I can go finish a mile long road with no stakes and no grade setter, you know, and make it look as good as it does. Mm -hmm. There's just no way. Yeah. Well, anyone that says you don't know how to run a blade has not seen your videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I try not to say nothing to them. I just let try and let them, you know, find out for themselves. But I got a lot of good friends on Instagram that, that usually uh, call them out. <laughs> why do people get so fired up about it? I've never really understood why people get so fired up. I really don't know. I, it's, I think it's just keyboard warriors. You know, they got nothing better to do but talk smack and... It they it makes them feel good. I guess I have no idea. Yeah, but how can you tell what I can do in a one minute video? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I've never understood it. I, I yeah, I, I see that all the time. They make some comment based on a thirty second clip, and to to prove that they're smarter. <laughs> and it's like you're only yep. proving you're an idiot by judging an operation based off of a thirty second clip, like. You're just showing me how dumb you are, not how smart you are. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I posted a video. I, I know you wanted to talk about it too, so this kind of brings it up. Uh, I, I posted a video of blading backwards on a night job working I five, <laughs> and uh, I got a, I got so much flack for that that it was just dumb. I, <laughs> but people didn't understand the reasoning behind it. Is that that the blade has teeth three hundred and sixty degrees around it. If they didn't want you to spin that thing around, they'd only put teeth on 180 degrees up, you know? That's a good and point. The, it, in that particular instance, when I was grading backwards like that, I was working in the center median of I-5. There's no way I can turn my machine around. And I had fills that, that we were dumping bottom dumps, you know, belly dumps with base rock down the center of the median. And... Uh, a lot of the truck drivers, it's hard to find good truck drivers, and they'll dump it way past where you want it. Oh, yeah. And then you're left with a big old hole. You want to carry your grade forward as you go, you know, and they'll dump it way up there, and then you got a hole behind you, and in a job like that, how do you turn around? There's nowhere to turn around. So I'd just swing my blade out, spin it around, and drag it back into the hole, swing it back forward, and then blade it out to grade, you know? But that's another 30-second clip that someone looks at it and says why are you doing that you're wasting time that's not efficient and little do they know you know i could drive a mile up the road and turn around and come back to blade 10 feet you know that's so funny yeah i you know blades are one of those machines and i have not seen it all on those blades like i you know there was a point in time where i didn't even know you could spin the blade around like that and i mean they're just so you're really only limited to your imagination on a machine that flexible. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Or it, some, it, I mean, some of the videos I've seen with you, you know, knocking down piles that are way off to the side, super up high, you just swing your blade all the way up there and you can just grab all kinds of shit with, with that machine. Yep. Yep. Pull it all down. So it don't fall on you as you're undercutting the, the slope from the pile. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's something. Um, I've, 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 I mean, I'm sure you've seen it with with Garrett Wilson, and I, I think I've posted a video too. Or you can use them like a bucket on a tractor. <laughs> yes, go ahead, scoop up a pile of dirt and carry the pile of dirt. You know, I, I've actually used that in a couple instances as well, where uh, we didn't have a machine to to put a four to one slope back against the asphalt edge for safetying up for traffic at the end of the day, and. I would run up to the pile, grab a scoop, and go and dump it right on the edge of the asphalt and, you know, make my four-to-one safety slope. Wow. I, I like, I've always liked your mentality, too, about trying to eliminate work for others mm -hmm. and how you try to do as much as you possibly can because it's like, if I can do it with the blade, that, that saves some guy from shoveling for 30 minutes. Yeah. And, and I can do it yep. in five minutes with my blade with you know, my wrist. It's not that big of a deal. Yep. And my, that's one thing my dad really drove into me when I was working with him was that do what you can with a machine so you don't have to do it with a shovel. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's some exceptions to that where, where it isn't efficient enough. But, man, if I can save someone's back, because I've been in that position. When I first started out, I had I was a laborer for three years under my dad, you know, and I hated it. I hated every second of it. And I, I always wanted to be in that seat. And that's when my dad told me that do what you can with the machine, so you don't have to do it with the shovel. Yeah, and I I take that to heart. I 
that's one of the things that sets apart really great operators from other people I've seen is they they really spend a lot of time trying to save other people from doing work. And yep. and there's but then there's some operators, a lot of them, they just have bad attitudes and they're just doing their thing and they could give a shit about other people. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's it's I've, I've you can notice if if you've been around it enough, you can definitely notice between between the two, but the best people I've ever worked around they're the ones that go way out of their way with a machine to make sure that other people don't have to do work unnecessarily. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. If you ever want to find out who a good operator is, you go and talk to the laborers. They're, they're the ones, they're the ones that will, will make or break an operator. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's, that's just, <laughs> this, that reminds me too. I, so the uh, and spinning your blade around this this on on this topic, I watched a guy the other day. I I, I don't know if I've ever seen it before. I mean, I it, it makes perfect sense, but I, I, we're going to talk in a sec about your setup because now you're mastless. But he had the the masts on his machine. It was like a G or an H. I don't know what it was. He had the masts on it, and he just positioned the blade just right to put the mast through the cab door that was open. And so he just yep. he just grabbed his his GPS unit while sitting in his seat and just plopped it right on top and plugged it in yep. without having to climb up there. And I was sitting there, I was like, yep. "Holy shit, that is so slick!" And then <laughs> and then he does it for the other side while not not getting out of the seat once. I'm like, "Damn, that is that is some slick shit right there." Yep, yep. I've done that quite a bit. That's it's an easy trick, so you don't have to climb up the stupid poles that are 10 feet in the air. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause that's how I've, I've always seen it. You, you get up and you climb up the damn pole and I'm, I'm, yep. I'm small. So I'm at a disadvantage there. If I were a blade hen, um, yeah. I, I saw that. I was like, okay, now that's an old timer trick right there. Yep. Well, I am. If you could look at it from a company's side of the view too, it's, it's a safety thing too. Yes. It's a lot safer setting them on inside your seat than trying to climb up on the tire and put them all up and take them down, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, you are now running a massless setup though, correct? Yep. Yep. The new uh, Earthworks uh, massless okay. from Trimble. Um, it's, but you put it on, it's not on one of the brand new blades, right? You were, you're able to retrofit older blades with the new massless setup? Yeah. So um, my SciTech dealer in Sacramento, SciTech West, they, they, uh, I'd been talking with them for a long time about trying to get it done because I've I seen the advantage to it. You know, you get your mobility back and use the machine as it was intended. And they, uh, I mean, we've been talking about it for a couple of years and even before con expo and they couldn't do it on the older machines because the, uh, like my machine is a 2012, it's an M2, the M3s, they can do it on, I believe, but the, the side shift cylinder on the, on like my M2, um, wasn't compatible with the system because the, uh, they use it for your, uh, your line work guidance, you know? Mm -hmm. And, the, I had to purchase a new cylinder um, that has sensors inside of it to, you know, detect how far the blades pushed out or in. Okay. And so that was the holdup because they didn't have any cylinders available um, to retrofit. Okay. So um, otherwise, and it would have been done a lot sooner. I was going to say, I was going to ask how the hell they did it. And so if you replace the cylinder, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. that's, and that's how it works. It's, it's, 
I guess to explain it, my understanding is it, it based on how far the cylinder is extended, it, it the, the computer knows based on the cylinder, the extension of the cylinders, where that blade is in relationship to the machine and to the model. Correct. And that, that's only for the side shift cylinder though. So um, I know John Deere, they use in cylinder sensing for their lift cylinders and all the other, you know, cylinders that run the blade. Yeah. But cat and Trimble, they use uh, multiple different gyroscopic sensors. You know, I think there's there's four or five on the on the machine. I, I'd have to be around it to count them, but um, they all talk with each other, and they they can determine if there's slop in the blade and 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 uh, you know how far your blade is up or down just by how it's moved. You know, I, way beyond my my comprehension, but it works. And it works amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'm truly astounded at how much more accurate and smooth it is than a math system. I just talked to a guy the other day. He was running, it's like the the new 150 blade <laughs> with the massless setup on it. And he said the exact same thing. He said, it's just remarkable how much more smooth and accurate this damn thing is compared to the traditional setup with the masks on it. Yeah. Yeah, I had a, a guy asking me, you know, why is it so more so much more smooth, and how can it be more accurate? When you, you would think that it'd be more accurate with the with the receivers out on the blade tips because they're there on the blade tip, but the the smoothness, you know, now the now the receivers mount one up on the gooseneck by the push block, yep. and then one up on the back of the cab. And if you think about it, when you're blading around and you have mass and you're the master vibrating back and forth, you know, and that loses, you know, some tolerance there. And now that they're up on the machine, the machine is a lot smoother, no more vibrating and rattling and shaking. And, and so they're, they're getting more accurate signal with those gyroscopic sensors feeding back to it. Hmm. Well, and, and with the, with the mass setup too, you know, if you change the pitch of the blade, now those, those GPS units, they can, they can get a little wonky as the mm-hmm. as the pitch of the blade changes too, correct? Correct. Yeah, I think you can only go. I think it was fifteen degrees uh, rolled forward to still be accurate. Anything after mm. that, it wants to pick the blade up higher. Yeah. And, and those the sent the the pitch sensor that was used for that was a uh, I, I believe a mercury type switch, you know, like a mercury sensor, and uh, not nearly as fast or or accurate. And so. He, even if you did pitch it forward, who knows if you're still right there? Yeah, it's kind of a crapshoot to me, honestly. So, but, as the, as the guy writing the check, it is it is your opinion that it's well worth the money spent. Oh, hands down, yeah. it's not even a comparison. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> if I had to keep running that old system, I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'd be running it still because you had to, but <laughs> it's junk compared to this one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Now you don't have to worry about those two enormous sticks on your blade. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, not only, you know, having the mask on, that's, that's huge on productivity and stuff, but that earthworks is just amazing. I mean, there's times, you know, in the old GCS 900 system, when you want to change your vertical offset, you got to push like three buttons and then hit the buttons up and down to change to the offset that you want. And this system, you just touch and hold it and it's got, you can store, I don't even know how many memories of what offsets you use, you know, because a lot of times 
you know, if, say if I'm working a residential job, I'll be on with the GPS models, everything's at finished grade. So when you're cutting finished pads, you'll be at zero on your vertical offset cutting finished pads. But then when you're done cutting your pads, you want to drop down to the sidewalk and say you, you got to drop it down half a tenth. And so you, you'd have to change it minus 0.5, you know, and then you'd have to drop down into the street and cut it a, a foot and a half deeper than that, you know? So then you'd have to change it all. And every time you change to a different operation, you got to change your vertical offset. And this one, you just reach up and touch the screen and it changes it to your next preset memory. It's really? so much faster and efficient. And you can, uh, on, on this setup too, without the mask, you can still put a mask on there if you need to run off a, a laser, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I can actually, uh, I can put the mask on and run a uh, GPS mask if I wanted to. Um, you can run UTS on it, but it's all still with masks, you know? Um, huh. but I, I'm not sure. I know a lot of people in Australia and friends that I have in Australia, they all run total stations, you know, and they'd love to have the mask list, but I don't, know even if they're working on a massless total station setup yeah i don't know if it's um maybe they maybe they've tried it but i just don't know if the market's big enough to justify it exactly yeah but on on massless for gps that's a no-brainer because everyone's doing it yeah yeah exactly that's pretty neat pretty neat stuff yeah it's amazing Uh, the technology like i said when i got started i was running blue tops and stakes and I remember when we first got our uh, our first GPS system, it wasn't even machine control. Uh, it was just a base and a rover. And man, that we were so excited to have that. Every crew in the company, we only had one in the whole company, and every crew was fighting over that thing because they didn't have to carry plans around. They had them all right there, you know. And uh, now you can't live without it, really. When it comes to the models, you you just get it from whatever contractor you're working for? Usually, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's the the models can really make or break a job too. If if you don't have someone that can build a good model, uh, it it is a nightmare to try and work. Yeah. Um, it follows everything on that model and you know that's another part of being a good operator. If you got screw ups on the model, you can usually work through some of them and remember where they're at. But sometimes the models are just too far gone, you know, and I've actually had a few from some companies I worked for that I had to send over to my site tech guy and fix them for me real quick. And that's, but that's a skill in itself to look at a model and look at a site and understand whether it's correct or not. Yeah, exactly. That's another really nice thing about this earthwork system is they have a uh, 3D, uh, so you, you can have different views on your screen. You can have a plan view, so you're looking at it like bird's eye view, and then you can have a cross-section view, so it's like looking at the front of the blade on the machine, mm-hmm. and then you could have a profile view, and now they have a three-dimensional view. So there's some spots I was working on a job a little while ago that you'd go through and the blade would just do something weird when you were on your finished path. And I'd stop and I'd, you, you can zoom out and kind of turn the model to look at the three dimensional view. And you could clearly see the, the screw ups in the model. And I, you could zoom out the whole model and find those screw ups, you know, throughout the job. And it's just like, like the model builder would see it on his computer. You know, yeah. mm. it's all, that's all witchcraft to me. I don't know how any of that works. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Yep. I, that model is definitely a big skill. Um, so going, as far as maintenance is concerned, you do a lot of it yourself, right? Yeah. I, I try and do everything I can myself just so I don't have to pay someone. Luckily, I'm pretty mechanically inclined and had a good upbringing with that. But there's still some things, you know, that's just above my my level, especially with owning an M machine. It's full of high, uh, full of electronics, and I've had some electronic issues that I can't figure out. And you you got to pay pay cat to come out and look at it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the you get into the emissions stuff and. It's it becomes a total nightmare. The electronics, the emissions. I mean, it's just woof. There's a lot to it. Yep. Yep. Uh, emissions so fun. I wish they'd do away with them, honestly. As yeah. Well, you're in Texas now. Feel free to take it off. Yeah. <laughs> I delete, thought about it. <laughs> delete your blade. Yeah. I um as far as your like your upbringing, you grew up with your dad around the business. Do you? I know you have. It's how old your son? Uh, say that again. How old, how old is your son? My son is, uh, he just turned eight. So he's, he's starting to get old enough to kind of understand this stuff. Do you, do you bring him around and have him help you out, take care of the blade and this and that? Oh yeah. He's out there any chance he can get with me. Um, you know, he, he can run an excavator better than half the people I've ever worked with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, on my property, I, I got a big burn pile in the back. And uh, every now and then the ashes get built up pretty high, you know, and I'll just say, Hey, go dig a hole and put all those in the hole. And he'll go dig a hole and put them all in the hole. <laughs> wow. And, you know, it, he's, uh, he's going to be a good operator when he grows up. He loves doing it. It's funny with kids. I mean, they, they really do. They really can perform extremely well with equipment because once you're at a certain size, I mean, si- like anyone can run a piece of equipment. You don't need to be strong or big or whatever and then they don't really have the ego that adults do and they're just naturally curious and playful and and so they're they're just constantly trying new things exactly yeah yep well i was actually uh uh, i got a 615 scraper that um that i bought and uh i the steering cylinder on it was leaking and had to reseal it but i needed I, i was by myself and had no help other than my son and he was seven at the time and i had to pull the pins and on the steering cylinder to get it off but i couldn't lift it and pull them because you got to get that you know that wiggle room just right to get the pins to pull out and i stuck him in the excavator said here do this and i i tell him up down you know okay it's free pull it out and he'd pull it out and set it on the ground for me <laughs> wow yeah huh. when you he's kid and he gets distracted you got to watch him but that's part of raising your kid you know (laughs) yeah yeah we've all been there yep exactly oh and so he does you know it's it's he's young but would you like to like him to get into the business i would yeah i i really enjoy it and you know it's i'm third generation now and it'd be cool to keep the family tradition going but if he didn't you know i'm fine with that too Mm-hmm. I want him to have his own life, but it would be really cool, you know, to to have him join in on it. Yeah, that would be pretty wild. I mean, that when when in fourth generation, it's it's uncommon in society, but it's not all that uncommon in the dirt world. I found. No, it's not. No. Nope. Hmm. Well, John, 
I've covered just about everything I had in my mind for you. Awesome. Yeah. Is there anything hopefully else? I, hopefully I'm able to help some people out with, with this. I know I get a lot of questions and on Instagram and I can't even ever get to all of them. You know, there's so many people messaging me, but hopefully they hear this and can get something out of it. Yeah. What's, um, so they can, if, if people really want to see what you do day to day, see the, the tips you, you offer people and, and all the wacky stuff you can do with the blade. That's all mostly on Instagram. Yeah. Yep. All on my Instagram page. I got a TikTok too, but I just opened that and don't really do much on it. It's, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of that, of that, that app. I don't know why no. I'm just not, not all that into it. No, me neither. Yeah. I, honestly, I, I'm not a big social media person to begin with. And, uh, <laughs> it, I just started posting some pictures for my family to see, you know, cause they're, they're always curious. And I didn't even know about private or public or any of that. I just started posting pictures on there and I started getting people like crazy following me. And then it just turned into something wild. I'm like, well, well whatever it's going now. I might as well keep it going. <laughs> Have the companies you've worked for ever gotten upset at the, at the videos and pictures? I've worked for one company that they didn't like it too much, but, um, they, they never really said they, they basically just said, don't put any of their equipment names in it, you know? Yeah. But, um, everybody else, they, they're, they're totally fine with it. Cool. And what, uh, yeah. what's your Instagram for people to find you? It's uh, Shedek Construction. It's S-C-H-E-E-C-K. Shedek Construction. And that is uh, John Shedek. Yep. I'll let you get back to your Sunday. Sounds good. I'll get to unpacking my house some more. <laughs> and that is the episode. Episode 64 with John Shedek. And if you want to go check him out on Instagram, like we said, it's Shedek construction on Instagram is the best place to find him. We'll link it in the notes. Alex put a link in there for the people to find him. And as always, we would love for you to share the podcast as much as possible. Keep sharing it. We appreciate the shares. We appreciate the feedback. If you have questions for us to answer on the Monday podcast, just send them in to dirttalk at buildwit.com. And I'll see you on the next episode. Stay dirty.